Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, Sean Payton coaching the Broncos, Derek Carr to the Saints. This NFL offseason, moves were definitely made. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. I'm Kainani Stevens. This is a seven-episode series detailing the biggest questions, misconceptions, and storylines from all eight divisions. You'll get insight and analysis from our local Locked On hosts that know these teams better than anyone. You can find out where your teams and favorite players stack up with a division perspective and a national perspective. You can find all seven episodes on Locked On NFL's YouTube page or wherever you get your podcasts. The Ultimate NFL NFL preview is brought to you by prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match of up to hundred dollars. The pieces never stop moving in the NFL. Not all moves are Aaron Rodgers to the New York jets, but a lot of moves have lasting effects on their divisions. But what were the biggest moves? One of the moves that was made has one of our NFC West hosts very happy. Doug McCain of Locked On Rams, Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers, and Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals are here to break down the NFC West. Alex, what move for the Cardinals made your day? I don't think you'll ever see a bigger smile on my big dumb face than right now. The removal of Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury from their post the way I describe what Cliff, what Steve Kime has done is you have a young kid. Or you, when you were growing up, you had a, always had a friend that would come over, play with your toys, and then would leave and not help you clean up. And that's where Steve Kime left the Arizona Cardinals. And that's what we're dealing with now. Jonathan Gannon coming in, Monty Austin Fort, nailing the draft by all metrics that are obviously all future-paced. That has been a breath of fresh yet uncertain air in State Farm Stadium in Phoenix that hasn't been realized over the last decade with Steve Kime continuously getting extensions that he didn't deserve. Cliff Kingsbury coming in, thinking he was going to get fired the first half of the first game against Detroit, that Kyler Murray put this team on his shoulder and came back and tied. Kyler Murray has won despite Cliff Kingsbury. This team has won despite Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime. And now with the Arizona Cardinals 2.0, as I've called it, ushered in, that is the biggest offseason move that I could have ever hoped for that I could have ever wished for and that Arizona Cardinals fans would hopefully bear the most fruits of Michael Bidwell's labors from. So that's gotta be it for me. Brian, where do you see the biggest move went down in the off season? Uh, I got to tell you my 49ers made the most annoying move and that was adding Sam Darnold. And it's been the biggest move that we've talked about on our podcast all off season long, Trey Lance versus Sam Darnold and the, the battle for the backup quarterback. Um, but with Brock Purdy coming back and, and him being healthy, that was the biggest thing that happened for the 49ers. And I, I, I think I agree with Alex. I think some of the things they did that aren't for right now, especially the way, and I don't know if Jonathan Gannon's the right guy for, the job in Arizona, but the way they navigated the draft and adding future picks. And uh, I think that was a master stroke. So we won't see the fruits of that for a while, probably, but I think those were for some phenomenal moves in a division that didn't have a ton of earth shattering moves in the off season. The biggest move on the field for the Niners was stealing away someone else from the division's best defensive lineman in uh, Javon Hargrave and putting him next to Nick Bosa, which should free him up, which is, I think was huge for the 49ers already stout defense. Corbin, is there anything that happened in the last couple of months that you feel like was a big move or is going to make a big difference come season time? You know, watching this Seahawks team for the last several years, it, it's been kind of annoying seeing all the defensive line, interior defensive line talent that seemingly every other team in this division had. And then for Seattle to go out and finally say, we're going to spend some money in free agency, they get Draymond Jones, and they've just been stealing 
candy from a baby with the Denver Broncos, just taking all their good players and then dishing off Russell Wilson to him. But Draymond Jones is one of four players at the defensive tackle position the last four years or last three years to have at least five and a half sacks every season. He has been consistent. He has been dominant at times, and he has been fantastic in training camp. They are really excited to see what he is going to do for this defense. And honorable mention, bringing back number 54 in the middle. This was the 30th-ranked run defense in the league. That ain't going to happen again with Bobby Wagner roaming the middle, especially with Draymond Jones now up in the trenches. Draymond Jones is also a really underrated run defender. PFF gives him terrible grades, and that's proof that we shouldn't follow PFF grades because he is a fantastic run defender. So those two additions, that's why the Seahawks have closed the gap. Don't know if it means they win this division, but they have gotten close to the 49ers by adding those two players. Doug, where do you weigh in on it? Do you feel like there was something in particular? Do you feel like once the season starts, we'll figure out what the biggest move was? Oh, I was going to say Hargrave. I mean, that was the ultimate rich get richer scenario. You guys out there adding infinity stones in San Francisco to think of him alongside Bosa and Armstead, that defense just got even more ferocious. I mean, 18 and a half sacks last two seasons. So that was a big boost, but I think I'll stay in house. I mean, I'm a big Sean McVay guy. He can't throw the football like your head coach, Corbin, Pete Carroll. He can't sling the rock like Pete Carroll was the other day, but Sean McVay is a superstar head coach. He's a rock star head coach. There was a lot of talk that he was was going to retire, that he was burned out. Youngest head coach ever to win the Super Bowl. Maybe goes the John Madden route. He was offered $100 million with Amazon, right? So that was really my big fear. So the fact that he's back in Los Angeles, that he's thinking for the future, I think he is here to stay for, at the very least, one more run with this core. So you lose Sean McVay, and you look at the coach we had before him, Jeff Fisher. He's not very popular in L.A. I mean, he's someone that was always saying, you know, F that 7-9 BS, right? So Sean McVay brought stability. He's a superstar. He won a Super Bowl in 2021. So having him back in Rams, Soul, and Royal was really the big acquisition for me, just making sure that he did not leave. Not on the field headliners like some other divisions in the AFC West. Joined by your boy Q of Locked On Raiders, Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos, Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs, and Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers. Ryan, what was the biggest move in this division? I think when you're talking about impact and the big moves, they come from the top of the food chain. And for me, it may not be apparent immediately, although we'll ask them in Denver. But I think in the end, we look down this road here in two to three years, we're going to see that the Peyton hire was the biggest move that happened this offseason across this division. And it will have an echo through the next few years. Cody, is that the biggest thing that changed? I think from a, from an operations standpoint, yeah, you know, for for the Broncos, Peyton's obviously a big addition. He's he was brought in to change the culture, and I've seen firsthand just how different things are. I mean, media access has changed from what we've been normally accustomed to, and it's. Peyton has his hand on the entire operation. If you're attending practice, you see how things are going between facilitating player interviews and things like that with the media and the PR department. It's Peyton's running. He's got his hands on that. If I had to go from like a player standpoint, for me, I think one of the, the biggest positional moves that impacted the AFC West, I think, is the Chargers drafting Quentin Johnston. I think adding him to that receiving mix there with obviously Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, that's it's kind of scary because it, the, the Chargers have always needed this number three wide receiver, not necessarily in that order, but they've needed a guy who could maybe take the pressure off that because defenses are going to focus on Keenan. They're going to focus on Mike. Now they have another guy. It's just how do you play this offense? To me, I think from a positional aspect, that is the biggest move of the offseason so far.
I mean, I agree with him personal-wise. I mean, I think looking at the tackle situation in Kansas City, you know, switching both of your starting tackles I think will be a big move that has, you know, we'll see how that plays out in the division. I, I agree with Quentin Johnson, especially getting someone that can do something with the ball in his hands is just something the Chargers had none of in their wide receiver room. I think it's still Sean Payton. I mean, when someone like that comes in and comes in the way that he did, just, you know, setting the rest of the league on fire like we saw him do, I think that's going to be the biggest move in the division. But I do think an underrated move was Kellen Moore. I mean, maybe how you feel about Kellen Moore being the Chargers offensive coordinator has a lot to do how you feel about, you know, Jason Garrett or Mike McCarthy. But I don't think of either of those two guys and think that Kellen Moore is going to be worse without those guys, right? Those are not maybe that's just my own opinion but I do think when you're talking about a team that was in the playoff with the Cowboys last year and had Cooper Rush starting as many games as they did like I think that answers a lot of the questions about whether or not Kellen Moore can adapt his offense to the players he has at his disposal I know what the offense has been under Joe Lombardi the last two seasons and obviously just since Justin Herbert came into the league if there is really another full level for Justin Herbert to get to now that he has been financially compensated, and I know that is taken away off of his back, not added one onto it. I think that is something that could play a huge part in what happens in this division. Yeah, I mean, I, I go with Sean Payton uh, for two reasons. I think that that was the biggest move. One, I think that was what Denver needed. Uh, as Cody's mentioned many times that, you know, Denver, things are different there now. And, uh, you know, it looked like Russell Wilson was humbled and he has an opportunity to be the Russell Wilson he was in Seattle, which I think is great for Denver. I think the the whole culture thing, I think that's a real deal. And uh, Sean Payton is trying to change that culture in Denver. So I think that that's awesome. I also think it was a really good move by Denver because it didn't allow Sean Payton to stick around and hang out and, and possibly the charge get him and I know Daniel what you mentioned that you know uh, Brandon Staley is a really good head coach but I just remember what I saw from him last and they were losing I don't know if I said that I don't know if I said that you know well I mean you said he was a good coach no I I said that I don't think he's a terrible coach I mean a different show at this point but I think that he gets a ton of heat for taking a super banged up roster to a 10 and 7 record 10 and 7 record into the playoffs I mean he's going to have to prove it results are going to be what happens at the end of the day when you have that quarterback but I I don't I don't know I wouldn't go on the limb and say he's a great coach he has to prove that still I guess the best way to say it is that the Chargers didn't get them and the Broncos did. So that's a big deal. Every year, players move teams, trades happen, players sign new contracts. But which move is going to end up being the biggest move in the NFC North? Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers, Matt Derry of Locked On Lions, Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears, and Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings are here. We will start with Matt. There was some guy named Aaron Rodgers who left the division. But was that the most impactful move this offseason? I thought this one was a layup just because of the hype, just because of the coverage, just because of the history that Aaron Rodgers was was traded. Um, and obviously this is not something. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not a not a not a shocker to anybody, but I, I think this is just sort of obvious uh, when you have that kind of cachet, despite uh, certain people on this thread uh, that can't stand him. Um, <laughs> Lauren. You know, it just, it just, I, I think it's pretty obvious, Peter. and and it's going to be weird watching Packer games, whether it's against the Lions, Vikings, Bears, whomever, and not seeing number twelve out there. Uh, but I think we've all been prepared for it. But to me, this was a no brainer. The answer would be would be Aaron Rodgers, if not for his level of play last year. If he had been like if he if he had been traded post twenty twenty one as the MVP of the league or something, let's let's say approximating that level of play, right. I think no doubt it it is a layup. But if, like, Kirk Cousins played better than Aaron Rodgers last year, Jared Goff played better than Aaron Rodgers last year. 
Like that brings me no joy to say to you, to you three fine gentlemen and, and Kai, it, it just uh, is not, is it, not the same sort of thing. And so this was, this was actually for me between two people and, and one was DJ Moore. I'll let Lauren uh, get on his soapbox about that. It says a lot. People think that the Vikings defense is going to be better than the Packers defense. And there are some people who believe that that's going to be true because of one person, Brian Flores. And to me, that was the most annoying move of the offseason. That part of that is my Rodgers bias. Um, I, like I was, I was very excited and very ready to see Jordan Love, but Brian Flores going to Minnesota was one of those like, damn it, like come on. And and I have to watch Joe Barry every week, and and the personnel <laughs> is still bad in Minnesota, but the fact that I believe he will make that defense better than it it reasonably should be with the personnel because he is that good of a defensive coordinator. I think that raises their ceiling higher than it should. And I think the Packers don't need to get a ton of from Jordan Love to get what Aaron Rodgers gave them just this last year. So to me, it's either DJ Moore or uh, Brian Flores. It's funny because if you ask any Vikings fan what the biggest move of the offseason is, they'll say it's that, which is like, when do you ever hear that about like a coaching thing? You know, it's like usually a trade. That's not a head coach. Yeah, that's not a head coach. But I I think it has to be the Rodgers thing. And I think I'm just approaching it differently because I'm I'm with you where like, even if you kept Rodgers, you're going to get one, two more years out of him. Like it was happening eventually. But this is the year now that it has happened. And this is a new chapter for the Packers. Yeah. And and whether it has an outsized impact on the difference between specifically 2022 and 2023 for the Packers, this is now the team that has won the most division titles in the last 30 years by a long shot. And they are now going into a chapter beyond that. They are off into the great beyond. And we've, for the first time in years and years and years and years, we don't really know how good the Packers are going to be. That's so crazy. That feels like it's a seismic shift in the power structure of the division. I would say, though, if Aaron Rodgers was here, I'm not sure we would know how good the Packers were going to be. You know what I mean? And so no. the question of who, what's the biggest offseason move. Like the decline of Rodgers and the departure of Rodgers sort of are part and parcel. Sure. I think that's fair. But but I think like the Aaron Rodgers move is is the biggest in terms of like attention, the biggest in terms of like you know, you know, like size and, and a sort of like structurally big, but in terms of like impactful on the team this year and the team in the future on the field, it's the Chicago Bears. It's not just the DJ Moore trade. It's not just DJ Moore. It's the trade down from the number one overall pick mm. to the ninth pick and eventually the 10th pick of not only adding DJ Moore, but getting two future first round picks plus multiple future second round picks plus multiple draft picks later on and the number one wide receiver. It has that immediate impact of Justin Fields getting a top receiver and more draft picks this year to start developing this roster, but it's multiple future first round picks the next two seasons plus future second round pick. Like this Bears team has so much draft capital to be able to set up and completely change the direction of this franchise just by having that number one overall pick and turning it into many different things. And I think it's got the immediate and the long term impact. Whereas the Rodgers thing, like the, the Packers team, as Peter said, like Aaron Rodgers wasn't as good last season. And Jordan Love has the potential to be as good as Rodgers was last season, which is not as good as Rodgers was total. But as far as the on-field impact, yes, the Packers got a first-round pick also that will affect their franchise. But we may still have some of the same questions about the Packers either way on the field. Well, certainly directionally, it's big for the change of the franchise. But X and O's wise, I think the Bears had a bigger impact moving down from one to nine. I, I think the other part of this, and Luke, I, th- I think your point about 
yes, we knew it was going to happen, but this is the year it happened is, is spot on. And so it's a little bit different because I've, I've been preparing for it in a, in a right. way that maybe, you know, you guys have softens the, the impact, right. sure, but yeah. also the Packers prepared for it when they drafted Jordan love. And so that makes this different. We saw a seismic shift in the approach of the Chicago bears this off season last year, Equinemius St. Brown was the big off-season pass catching acquisition for the Bears. No, sir. It was Byron Pringle. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it ended up being Equinemius St. Brown. It was supposed to be Byron Pringle, and it ended up being E. Surely Chase Claypool will get a mention eventually in this. And, oh, and I promise we didn't make up either of those names. We are not that creative. But it seems like we did, but then they go out. And not just, uh, Lauren, I love your point about it's not just DJ Moore, it's the trade. Because not only did they get DJ Moore and all the future draft capital, who did they take with their pick? Another player, Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle from Tennessee, to help Justin Fields. And so now they are set up. This is the year. This is the, I think this might be the only team, and, and Luke, you can tell me about what you think of the Kirk Cousins future, but this might be the only team where the starting quarterback this year, if things go poorly, depending on how poorly they go, will not be the starting quarterback next year. I think Justin Fields is under that kind of pressure to perform. And the team has set that up by doing everything they can to support him. If he does not show it this year, it's over in Chicago. The Packers have set themselves up to, if they need to move on from Jordan Love, they can. But also, they've set this up like this is a two-year thing. We're going to give Jordan Love some time, all these young players. We're going to let this marinate and then see what we have to do down the road. I think that's why this, this for me, I've, I've talked myself into uh, now that it, it is Chicago. It, to answer your question briefly, I think for Kirk Cousins to stay in Minnesota, he probably has to at least go to the NFC Championship. Wow. That's, a, think, that's I, a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And I think so it's future the future 49ers quarterback, Kirk Cousins, is what you're saying. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Hey, one more, one more biggest offseason move that's under the radar is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in Detroit. That was a pretty big signing from a leadership perspective. And uh, they love him. So watch that one, too. Coming up, we get the other side of the Aaron Rodgers trade. Was he the biggest addition in the AFC East? That's next on the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. If you haven't started using prize picks, now is the time. Prize picks is the most fun that you can have by winning 25 times your money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and then place your entry. Testing your skills on prize picks this football season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You make your picks and submit an entry. You can do it in less than 60 seconds. Prize picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. PrizePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use our code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use our code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. PrizePix daily fantasy sports made easy.
We continue our look at the biggest moves in each division. This is Aaron Rodgers, right? We can all agree in the AFC East, Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots, and John Butchko from Locked On Jets are here. Joe, what does this move with the Jets bringing Aaron Rodgers in mean for the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Aaron Rodgers upgrading the quarterback position there to go with that defense should, I mean, yield great results for the New York Jets. And, you know, that team was knocking on the door of the playoffs last year, but couldn't score a touchdown in their last three games. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore with Aaron Rodgers now running this offense. I think there's two things that really pop for me when I consider Aaron Rodgers now being with the Jets is, first of all, that early season schedule is really, really tough really tough and so can they weather the storm a little bit if they have a slow start and it's it's tough to go facing teams like the bills like the cowboys like the chiefs in your early slate of games where there's so much new and that's the second part it's like it's all got to come together for this football team and i think it softens up for them later on and they can go on a run but what happens where the when the jets go from the darlings of the nfl to okay maybe they're owing two Maybe they're three and five through the first eight. I mean, I, I think those are realistic possibilities, especially for a team that's not really faced adversity. I don't think they're battle tested. And so how does he step in and, and, and impact things right away? I think is going to be the big question because that's when the biggest challenges for the Jets come. They come early in the season and Aaron Rodgers has to hit the ground running. Kyle, how serious of a challenge does it pose to, you know, have the worst team the division now has, you know, arguably one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in the past couple of decades? Yeah, I think it's convenient, Joe. Come on, man. He might not have been in the AFC East, but the whole R-E-L-A-X with a slow start, relax. Yeah. We're ready for it. I'm already got it queued up. Aaron's used to having to tell everybody to chill out early in the season. Um, I agree with you with the, the degree of difficulty of that schedule, though. And and uh, John's made this point throughout the course of this series. Uh, the Jets just need, like, competent quarterback play if they get anything similar to what they got last year on the other side of the football. So I certainly think it dramatically changes the dynamics and the expectations for the New York Jets. And um, they're, they're a team that, you want to be playing your best football late in the year. And the, and the saying that, that I've really found myself adopting is that good teams go on runs midseason and they get better as you get later into the season. And I think the Jets' schedule does put them in a position to have that manifest itself. So I think that's the thing to be, to be watching for because I agree with Joe on the slow start. But the way that it shakes out once you get into November, December – you can really start to see the possibilities for New York and, and if Aaron Rodgers is able to weather that initial storm. Mike, I like your perspective. We saw Tom Brady play in New England forever. He switched teams very late in his career, going to Tampa and having immediate success. Aaron Rodgers played in Green Bay for a very long time. Now he's in New York. Is this a transition where he can come in and have immediate success similar to what Tom Brady did? I think he can because he's got very good talent on both sides of the ball, but you also have to have that competent quarterback play at a high level from Aaron Rodgers, like you saw from Tom Brady when he first went to Tampa Bay. Aaron is motivated. He's definitely playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, which is a good thing. You definitely want to see that if you're a Jets fan. So I believe he can do it. And I think Kyle and Joe hit the nail on the head with their late season schedule, allowing them to make runs. I watched the New England Patriots do this for years where they started off slow, got better and better as the year went on. And then by the time winter hit, 
just about every Patriots beat writer was using the old Game of Thrones, winter is coming type thing to describe how the Patriots were going to be able to get through December and January. The Jets are uh, definitely built for that. From a Patriots perspective, it means first off, sorry, John, the Patriots have to take these games seriously against the Jets for the first time in a long while, and they will. They absolutely will with Aaron Rodgers under center. He is 2-2 and all-time against Bill Belichick. I know some Patriots fans like to point out that he needed overtime to beat Bailey Zappi and a Patriots backup team last year, but that was in Green Bay. He's got a much better supporting cast in uh, New, uh, New York this year, so those two games are going to be very difficult. The Jets haven't been able to pencil in victories there in quite some time. I think this is the year they finally do it. And just that one victory can help put them over the uh, the uh, threshold where they were last year. So this changes a lot for the New York Jets. John, a lot of compliments coming your way. But what are some actual realistic expectations for what we'll see out of Aaron this year? Well, you know, I'll begin by talking about Mike. You know, the Jets have come a long way, and I believe the first game preview Mike and I ever did on a crossover show, the quarterback matchup was Tom Brady versus Luke Falk. So the tables have clearly <laughs> turned here. Yeah. I think all of my colleagues hit the nail on the head. It's something I've been talking a lot about on Locked On Jets. The early part of the schedule is a challenge for the Jets, and you have all these new pieces coming together. You know, Rodgers does have experience throwing to a couple of these guys. They brought in Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb from Green Bay, but always takes time to build a bit of chemistry. The schedule, you can never say with 100% certainty who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, because you don't know who's going to suffer injuries unexpectedly. But you can look at this, and I think the smart money is on the tough part of the schedule being early. I look at comparable situations. You know, we mentioned uh, Brady and Tampa Bay. People forget they did not get off to a really hot start in 2020. I think they were like five and five around the midway point of the season. And then it all kind of came together late. Another example would be Peyton Manning in Denver in 2012. It took them about a month, month and a half to get going. They ended, they didn't, they did not win the Super Bowl that year, but they did end with the top seed in the AFC. They ended the year playing their best football. I think you have a lot of different things converging and, uh, you know, I, I think my colleague said it so well that I don't know if I have that much to add to it, but I just want to agree with them that I think for the Jets, it's all about surviving the first six weeks. I, I've been saying on Locked On Jets, two and four, I, I would take that because I think things are going to open up at the at, at that point in the season. The schedule gets softer. I also think that the Jets, and I've been complaining about them bringing in a lot of old players this offseason on my show one of the advantages to this being a more veteran-laden roster, it's a funny roster because the impact talent's young, but kind of the supporting pieces are all on the older side. Having a more experienced roster means I don't think everybody's going to panic at two and four. And I think that this team just has everything shaping up for them to be to play their best football down the stretch. And that's when you want to play your best football. A lot of movement this offseason in the AFC South, but what was the biggest move? John Hickman of Locked On Texans, Zach Hicks of Locked On Colts, Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans, and Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars weigh in. Zach, let's start with you and the Colts. Yeah, so I think this move doesn't really apply too much to 2023. Again, it's more for 2024, 2025. But uh, the duo of moves that the Colts made to get Shane Steichen as their head coach and Anthony Richardson as their quarterback in the draft, I just can't imagine a better fit between a quarterback and head coach in this past cycle. And we saw last year with Shane Steichen what he was able to do with Jalen Hurts, take him from that quarterback who couldn't beat out Carson Wentz, a, 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 you know, a falling Carson Wentz a couple of years ago and then struggled down the stretch to turning him into one 
one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. Now, a lot of that credit does go to Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts did that with Shane Steichen as his play caller and Shane Steichen kind of tailoring that offense towards his his abilities. Now, when you've got a quarterback like Anthony Richardson who has the abilities to be another Cam Newton, to be another Josh Allen with his arm strength, with his rushing ability, with what he brings to the offense, and now you give him a coach that understands how to get the most out of that. I know I'm kind of cheating here by saying two moves, but I think those two moves are the foundations for the Indianapolis Colts going forward. And that head coach and quarterback pairing, again, it might not be big for 2023, but 2024, 2025, when they really hit their stride, I think this is going to be something that we look back on in a couple of years and say that was the biggest thing that any team in this division could have done. John, in your mind, what was the biggest move in the AFC South? Uh, I, I got to go with getting D'Amico Ryan's. For Houston, because without D'Amico Ryan's, I don't think this team trades up for Will Anderson. And I and I think you you know Zach talks about the future. Well, getting C.J. Stroud was big for the future, but also getting a player like Will Anderson and Houston has you know historically been able to draft good edge rushers, Mario, J.J. Now you get a player that will be a part of your identity that you're building here. Um, from year one. They're both going into year one, and so you love that. But D'Amico Ryans, he did so much for this dead franchise. Uh, David Cully, Lovey Smith, dead, dead. The, no, nothing was happening. You're still going through the Deshaun Watson issue, and the fan base was just completely out of it. The moment D'Amico was announced as this team's next head coach, the energy came back. The life came back. And with that, this is a team that, may not win the division, but they're not going to win three games. They're not going to play for a tie. They're not going to go out there and have lousy outings. D'Amico has set a tone and new culture, and I think that's the biggest offseason move in the division because everybody that wanted a head coach wanted D'Amico. Houston won that bid, and so I got to go with that. That's just me personally. Tony, what was the biggest move in your opinion? Within Calvin the- really don't count, Tony. It counts. It he got reinstated. It counts. It does not. Y'all ain't even got to have no domestic over it. It, it doesn't count. So okay, uh, I'm not going to go with him because where I'm going is uh, with this. The Jaguars did absolutely nothing in free agency and then were very, very conservative in the draft. So the best move that I believe that they made was to do nothing because now what it does is it means that they're not hedging their bets anymore. Everybody's being accountable. They are going to draft and develop their team. That means it's on the scouts. It's on the GM. It's on the coach. It's on the staff to be able to draft and develop players. If you are going to be in the business of retention, and if you're going to be in the business of taking your own guys and just having this farm system and elevating from within, like we see a lot of the real good teams do over the years, the Chiefs have done it, the Ravens have done it, and have always been very, very good. If you're going to do that, then there's nothing wrong with ticking me and the fans off by not doing anything, but really by doing something by doing nothing. And that thing that you're doing is saying, no, it's on us. We're going to do our job. We're going to pick the guys that we want that fit our culture, and we're going to develop them from within. So I applaud her for doing it because if it doesn't work, it gives me a whole bunch of stuff to talk about.
No, Tony, I agree with you 100%. I just want to say one of the reasons that Jacksonville has been a big spender in free agency for so long before this is because they didn't have anybody to spend their money on because the guys that they drafted didn't always pan out. So I think them doing nothing, like you're saying, deserves the credit that you're giving it because it's a sign that they're starting to do things the right way and they're starting to build a franchise the way you're supposed to. They got their couple of little pieces they needed when they got the new staff last year. But I, I just wanted to say I, I agree with you that doing nothing is a great sign for them because it shows that they want to keep their money for guys they believe in in-house. Tyler, was that the biggest move for you? Or was there something else that you feel like may make a bigger impact in the division? No, look, and I feel bad. Uh, I, I think that getting DeAndre Hopkins, absolutely big. Rand Carthon being added as the Titans GM is huge if you look at the stuff that's plagued the Titans over the last few years. But the reality is my answer is, is Calvin Ridley. Someone has to say it here. Look around at the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes had Tyree kill with him at the beginning of his career. Josh Allen didn't take off until they got him Stephon Diggs. Joe Burrow, you know what? We could get the offensive lineman, but let's give him his guy, Jamar Chase, and see what happens. The moment that Jalen Hurts gets A.J. Brown, tears in my beer. But, but, that that's the point. Every single great young quarterback needs that go-to guy for them to elevate to the next level. Look at all the great quarterbacks throughout history. Tom Brady's best season had Randy Moss, Jerry Rice with Joe Montana, on and on and on. Throughout history, there's the quarterback and the top-notch receiver who allows them when they aren't having their best day, when they don't have their best stuff, that guy's going to go out and make plays for them. And then when they're both locked in, they're truly unbeatable. I think that Calvin Ridley is a top three, top five route runner in the entire NFL. I think if we get the best version of Ridley that we saw in Atlanta, it is going to be bad news for everybody else. And those guys are going to be unbeatable. So I think taking Trevor Lawrence and what we saw last year and the progression that he's on right now and giving him that true number one guy, we've seen it before in recent years. That is the, it's like Mario Kart when you hit the little arrows and it gives you that speed boost. Trevor Lawrence got his speed boost with Calvin Ridley. And I think it's, uh, it's dangerous for the rest of the AFC South and the rest of the NFL. The NFC East had some interesting additions this offseason and Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys, David Harrison of Locked On Commanders, Patricia Traina of Locked On Giants, and Gino Camilleri of Locked On Eagles are here to discuss what the biggest move was. We will start with Patricia. What was the biggest offseason move in the NFC East? In the division, I'm going to go with the Giants acquiring Darren Waller. That guy is an absolute beast. If he is healthy, he's going to do wonders for that Giants offense. You know, in addition to the speed, he has been unguardable in training camp practices. He's been unguardable uh, in the in the joint practices that they just had with the Detroit Lions. Waller is going to make a difference for that offense. He's going to open things up along the sides, allow some of those smaller guys get to run patterns, get yards after the catch. I mean, we, we saw plays where he was literally drawing a, a party around him, which sold, you know singled up guys on the outside. So Waller is a huge move. I know a lot of people will say, well, what about Saquon Barkley and the Giants not signing him to a long-term deal? They did get him to, to sign. He is in camp. Um, we'll play this song and dance again next year. But I, I think the Waller acquisition is huge. Landon, what, from your point of view, is the biggest move in the division in the offseason? I mean, I guess we, we all thought that this was obvious, but we're all going to have our different answers. But to me, there is no other answer than Dan Snyder selling the team to Josh Harris. I mean, this is this is something that is going to have decades worth of reverberations for that team. I mean, this is a situation that 
Dan Snyder was, I mean, I hate to say it, like cancer on the Washington Commanders and was terrible for morale, for decision-making, for everything from top to bottom. Dan Snyder was arguably the worst NFL owner on the team. He may be the worst in, in, sports owner in sports. He, I mean, and maybe in sports history. I mean, it's, it's, that's how bad things were. And so for, for Washington to get, uh, to get out from underneath that shadow, to have that boot lifted off of them, uh, and to have a, a brand new day. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know that we can express how much of a positive moment, uh, an addition by subtraction that, that that is for the, the entire team. We can talk about free agents or off season stuff if you want. I think every one of these teams has had made some, a good addition here or there, but the change of ownership is a brand new day for the commanders in a way that they've been needing for decades at this point. And it's going to make a huge difference in that team. David, how have you seen the change so far? And, and do you feel like that's made all the difference? Oh, it's massive. And it's, it's not, it's not an understatement to call dance or an overstatement to call Dan Snyder a cancer on this organization. Um, it's something that, I mean, as soon as team president, Jason Wright, head coach Ron Rivera could actually talk about it happening. They couldn't wait fast enough to say, this is going to be great. And this is going to be awesome for the organization. We can't wait for it to actually happen. You know what I mean? They, they, they soldiered on and they played the good, you know, front facing members of the organization for as long as they had to, but as soon as they had the opportunity to talk about it and even just talking to Ron Rivera, you know, I mean, he recently got into a little bit of controversy for something he'd said about, about the players and Eric Bieniemy and not saying it maybe the best way he should have said it um, mm -hmm. compared to what he meant to say. But even with that, like this is the most relaxed I've ever seen Ron Rivera uh, as, as a head coach. And, and it's really cool to see because Ron's, Ron's a good dude. Um, so it's good to see him, you know, have the opportunity to kind of just enjoy being a football coach again and not having to be this spokesperson uh, for an organization. So, and it's absolutely huge. So, I mean, and, and not just that, but uh, was it together back together Saturday, whatever it was in the first week of training camp um, over 10,000 commanders fans showed up to training camp. And I'll tell you, if you count the players and the staff and the media and the fans that attended every practice for training camp last year, you don't get 10,000 during the entire time uh, we did that. So to get all that in one day, and then on Sunday, again, there, there might have been more fans uh, present on Sunday in, after the first preseason game. So that's absolutely huge. Really quickly, I will say I think the biggest move in this division, though, as big as that is, is actually the arrival of Eric Bieniemy. So, you know, everybody's expecting the Washington Commanders to be a defensive first defense first team, and they absolutely are. But Eric Bieniemy has intentions on making this offense a weapon of its own, not just a complement to the defense. He wants to make this offense something that's really special. And I know you all watched – the Washington Commanders' first preseason game. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. When Jacoby Brissett walked into the end zone against the Cleveland Browns, I don't know, second or third defense, so huge grain of salt here. But when he walked into the end zone on that play, there were two touchdowns wide open opportunities for Jacoby Brissett on that play by design. Either walk in yourself and take the fantasy points for everybody that plays preseason fantasy or throw the ball to Byron Pringle in the back of the end zone because both of those options were wide open, and that is what Eric Bieniemy is scheming up for this offense. So – while we all sit here and say commander's defense first, just the offense just don't lose the game. Eric Bieniemy plans on making this offense a winning offense. We'll, we'll see if he can get it done, but that's what he plans on doing. Gino, uh, from your eyes, what was the biggest move from within the NFC East? Well, obviously the owners drive the ship, right? But this league is driven through the quarterback. And I would say having 75% of the teams just continue on with their quarterbacks and have that continuity going into this year and Daniel Jones signing an extension, Jalen Hurts signing an extension. The NFC East is a proactive division. They get ahead of the ball. And Landon can attest to this with Dak when they signed him all those years ago. They're probably going to have to sign him again. 
But getting out ahead on the quarterback market especially, I mean, Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts, they might be kicking themselves saying, man, what if I waited a couple months there? And that ultimately is the most important position in this sport. And having that guy, having the continuity with the play caller, I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We'll see. Daniel Jones, he has Brian Dable there. You move on from Shane Steichen as he goes to be a head coach. But Brian Johnson is still there. But the one guy pulling the trigger, the quarterback, that's what it comes down to. What is the biggest move? I think just keeping those guys in-house and continuing to roll with what works and don't fix it if it ain't broken. Coming up, the most head-scratching answer to this question comes from the AFC North. That's next on the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. If you're tired of weakening or thinning hair and you want to reach your full hair potential, leading hair growth supplement Nutrafol helps improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated, natural, science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results. Go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair health wellness quiz. Identify causes of thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code locked on NFL. That's Nutrafol.com slash men promo code locked on NFL. We continue our look at the biggest move in every division. A lot of improvements around the AFC North this offseason. Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns, Jake Liskow from Locked On Bengals, Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers, and Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens are here to discuss who made the biggest move. Kevin, we'll begin with you. Well, I think a lot of, you know, as I've kind of said all offseason, all four teams had a really good one, but I think... The, the reason I'm picking this one is because it broke a trend, and, and that is Odell Beckham Jr. signing with the Ravens. Over the course of, you can go back however long, however long, the Ravens have never done this. They used void years on Odell Beckham. And while the Ravens are not getting prime New York Giants Odell Beckham here, but if he gives them low wide receiver one, high wide receiver two potential, that's better than Lamar Jackson one has ever had. And that's what people have been clamoring for here in Baltimore for so many years. Now, while it might not have been the biggest move in terms of all oh, like pure talent at a position, I think it was the biggest move because the Ravens finally went in on Lamar Jackson, spent the money. It was a huge deal for him, too. I think it was a slight overpay. I, I can definitely admit to that. But I think it was a necessary one for what the Ravens wanted to do on offense. And obviously, you could, you know, you could argue, should they have gone after DeAndre Hopkins or should they have added this? But we've been talking about it for so many years here in Baltimore of when were the Ravens going to go and get Lamar Jackson 
a proven guy. We have to see it with Odell. You know, can he stay healthy? There are plenty of questions surrounding him. It's a, it's a big, high-risk, potentially high-reward move. But if he can stay healthy, the overpay that the Ravens made for Odell becomes a massive move that could maybe swing a couple things here and there in the division. I kept my composure this entire time, Kevin, until you said Odell <laughs> Beckham Jr. going it. to the Ravens was the biggest move in the AFC North. I mean, that's just some, some mental, hurt, mental gymnastics if I've ever seen them. But sorry, Kai, keep going. No, please. What, what was your move? We know it wasn't LBJ, so what do you think the biggest move was? I mean, I'm between Jim Schwartz and, and Orlando Brown, a different OBJ who should add a lot of stability for the Cincinnati Bengals. But I just want to give a shout out to making a move that should help the defense of the Cleveland Browns significantly that isn't a player acquisition because that's been such a huge problem for the Browns. And I think the coaching in general has been a big problem for the Browns. And that's part of the reason it's not voodoo, Jeff. I think it's been a coaching issue. And so hopefully are you talking about when a certain defensive back coach said Friday after they lost to the Bengals that when T Higgins and Tyler Ward left the game, it somehow made it harder for them to play against the Bengals? Is that what you're trying to go with? (laughs) I think that Jim Schwartz should help, but for, for the Bengals and Orlando Brown to make a case for the best consensus tackle available in free agency. And one of the biggest issues the Bengals have had has been offensive line play as they get deep into the playoffs and they have injuries piling up there. I think Orlando Brown improves them at left tackle and subsequently improves them at right tackle where Jonah Williams has taken to that position like a duck to water. It's been a really smooth move for him to that side. So best offseason available tackle. I'll take that for the Bengals and make an argument there. Jeff, we know you've been pleased with some of the moves that Cleveland's made in the offseason. Which one in particular do you think was the best? First things first, Kev, the best move for your Ravens was getting Lamar Jackson handled long-term. That was the best move for the Baltimore Ravens by far and away. Now for the Browns, Dalvin Tomlinson. Look, they've done a lot of work here, but this team, it was putrid. There's no other word I can use. Their defensive tackle play, their interior play. And this is my seventh season now covering the Cleveland Browns. And the best defensive tackle this team had up until this year was Larry Ogunjobi. No disrespect to Larry Ogunjobi. Good player. But still, light years away here. They went after any defensive tackle that was available. Javon Hargrave, they were in. They needed to get full-on grown men in here. You can't take one of the most important positions in the NFL into your defensive line play and say, oh, well, we're going to throw a third on it this year. Oh, we'll throw a fifth on it next year. Oh, we'll throw a third on it. You, you, you have to get a proven commodity. So you get Dalvin Tomlinson in here. You get the late signing of Shelby Harris. And, of course, another third-round pick, Siani Ika, who looks like he should be somebody that can help with the run. But that was the one. Because this defense, and it's not changed much from Joe Woods to Jim Schwartz, they want to get in first and 10. They want to get you to second and eight. They want to get the big guys off the field, the extra secondary players, the extra pass rushers. That's the way football is played nowadays. But when you play a team like the Atlanta Falcons and they run the ball down, you throw it 12 plays in a row – and throw it because I guess they kind of felt bad for you to take a break on it. They were humiliated last year at run defense, and they made it, put an onus on it. And you can't hire Jim Schwartz and say, oh, we're going to try to get you this. you got to get players in here. And they absolutely did that. But Dalvin Tomlinson for the Browns is probably the biggest single acquisition they made this offseason. Chris, are any of those the moves you agree with, or is it someone in Pittsburgh you think was a bigger move? 
Um, as far as the other teams, Orlando Brown, I thought was a fantastic move by the Bengals because they need to shore up that offensive line. I, I felt like if the offensive line of the Bengals was one of the better in the NFL, they would have, they, they could have, they would have, and might have won back to back Super Bowls. I think that has been their biggest, uh, their biggest Achilles heel. Uh, if I was to talk Steelers, I mean, I, again, I think their draft class was, was amazing. These guys, they, they were all guys that I charted in my top 33. Their top four picks were all guys I put in my top 33 on my big board. Uh, and I thought that they did a, a fantastic job in getting talents in key positions. So they've done they've done that very well. But I also picked one free agent they signed, Isaac Seomalu, who I think is a quiet signing that is that has really come over well. Veteran guard from the Eagles. Jason Kelsey ra- raved about him on his on his podcast recently because of his leadership and because of his ability to change the line of scrimmage. He has balanced the Steelers offensive line. I think he's made it easier for whoever's going to be left of him, whether it's Broderick Jones or Dan Moore Jr. to start week one. He's going to make it easier for that guy to do their job. And across the board, this Steelers offensive line is going to be a, a lot better than they were at the start of last season when they were really struggling to put anything together. Is it Derek Carr and then everything else in the NFC South? Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, James Yarko of Locked On Bucks, Julian Council of Locked On Panthers, and Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints are here. James, what was the biggest offseason move in the division? To me, it was the Atlanta Falcons signing Jesse Bates. I have watched Jesse Bates spark a defense to go on an absolute tear. So many times I've lost count. I'm, I'm very close to Cincinnati. I see a lot of Cincinnati Bengals games. I have watched him single-handedly take over games and elevate that defense as a leader, as a contributor, as a playmaker. And the moment he signed with Atlanta, I immediately texted my co-host David. I was like, this is bad news. This is real bad news that Jesse Bates is coming to the NFC South because this guy is incredible. So of all the moves that Atlanta made, they made a ton. New Orleans made a bunch. Carolina made some moves. Nothing stood out as much as Jesse Bates coming to the back end of that Atlanta defense. Aaron, was that the same for you or was there another move or addition elsewhere in the league that or elsewhere in the division that you thought was a bigger deal? I wanted to pick Jesse Bates, but, you know, I just wanted to throw some shade at Ross and pick David Onyemata. I could have picked any, uh, you know, <laughs> of the Falcons free agents. And I was like, you know, we're, we're talking NFC South, so let's keep it in the family and let's talk about the player that the Falcons stole from the New Orleans Saints and David Onyemata. And, and you know, I think he's going to be a huge addition to that defensive line. He was kind of the, the Robin to Cam Jordan's Batman. I think he'll be that same sort of role for Grady Jarrett moving forward. And, oh, yeah, the Falcons also have Calais Campbell. So there's there's a lot of free agent defensive players that the uh, team picked up this offseason. And so I think when you look at what move is going to have the, potentially the most impact this season, I think you look at the Falcons free agent additions like a David Onyemata or Jesse Bates. But I do think if you're projecting long term, what's going to be the move that's going to potentially change uh, the flavor of this division for years to come? It's it's probably Bryce Young uh, with the Carolina Panthers. He's he's probably going to be the guy that, you know, the rest of this division is going to be chasing at the quarterback position potentially for years to come. So I think long term, Bryce Young is the answer, but short term, I'll go with David Onyemata. David Onyemata was much more the Alfred of uh, Cam Jordan's Batman than he ever was the Robin to Cam Jordan's Batman. Just, just to say. Just to say. Oh, I'm no, glad you said. Addition. It's a great addition. 
I'm glad you said Bryce Young, Aaron, because I was just like, are we just trying to be creative here? Jesse Bates, a safety. I mean, we just got through with the conversation about how edge and cornerbacks are like the guys on defense that make the biggest kind of plays. And we're talking about safeties and defense. Then then we went to then we went defensive tackle at Anyamata. The Carolina Panthers traded up without telling me you haven't watched Jesse Bates. (laughs) Okay, cool. But like low impact position. It's a a quarterback driven league, y'all. Cool. Yep. He's a safety. He's a good player. Who cares? The Panthers trade up from nine to number one. They gave up DJ Moore, a first round pick next year. They gave up a second round pick this past draft. They gave a second round pick in 2025 to get their quarterback. Like that's obviously the biggest move of the offseason. The team that sees a division that's still open where Atlanta, Ritter, think he has a chance to be good. We don't know that. Tampa, don't know what the hell you're doing. New Orleans, Derek Carr, that's a short-term thing. Like, they want the long-term play trying to find their quarterback. And we've already said it on this show that who's set up potentially for the best long-term success at quarterback? Probably Carolina with Bryce Young, who was excellent at Alabama. I know there's concerns about his height and weight, even though the only time he ever got hurt because he felt by himself wrongly on his shoulder. And other than that, that was never an issue. So it's very clearly the Carolina Panthers trading up to number one to get a quarterback in the NFL, the game of football, quarterbacks. Like, it's not that difficult. It's that obvious. And we talk about clear cut. That's a clear cut one right there. Ross, is it that obvious to you? I'm giving Julian all the snaps right now because that's 100% mine. For me, like, it, it was it was literally the biggest move <laughs> of like, what the offseason. Like, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, outside of the Aaron Rodgers debacle, like, this was literally the biggest thing that happened all offseason was this jump up to the number one overall pick, the most coveted thing in the offseason. There's so many possibilities. You know, every Super Bowl win starts with the number one overall selection. And there you go, the Carolina Panthers went up and got that and I I was going to expand a little bit more I know I could have gone the Derek Carr route here but I was going to expand a little bit more for the Carolina Panthers of not only going out there and getting their quarterback but putting a staff around that quarterback that's going to that's going to lift that quarterback and make that quarterback better going out there and getting a guy like Frank Reich. James, I know you're not high on Frank Reich. I know you're not high on Bryce Young. I'm high on both of the guys. And so to see both of them come to Carolina in the same off season and this team invests in its future like that, that was undoubtedly the biggest move in the off season. And Julian, just like you mentioned, it's an actual position, right? It's the most important position on the field. The actual thing that makes a difference for every NFL team is the same signal caller and the Carolina Panthers made no mess about it. They went and got the guy that they wanted. I think that's the biggest move of the offseason, probably around the NFL, save Aaron Rodgers. Now we're going to turn to our national hosts, Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of Locked On NFL Scouting are going to discuss how the biggest moves across the NFL affected rosters for good and for bad. It's hard to not start this conversation with 12 Aaron Rodgers going from Green Bay to the New York Jets to take what was already a stacked AFC conference and just make it that much more complicated. So, Joe, when you think about Rodgers and his arrival slash his departure from Green Bay, what domino do you think is the biggest that falls as a result in 2023? Well, I I think it changes the landscape of the AFC East, where the Bills have won the division three years in a row, and now all of a sudden it's not just the Dolphins that are nipping at their heels, it's the Jets as well. And you think about this Jets football team last year, they're right in it, right? They're in the thick of the hunt to make the playoffs. They didn't score a touchdown their last three games. I don't think that happens with Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback. And so we know what this team is defensively with all the talent there and Robert Sala, the head coach and his defensive background. But now you 
add Aaron Rodgers to this offense that has some exciting young pieces like a Garrett Wilson, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker up front, some additions to that offensive line. They've added Dalvin Cook to the backfield with a nucleus that's pretty strong that's in place. And you feel like the the way that Aaron Rodgers is going to elevate that offense is going to position them to be a team that was on the outside looking into the playoffs that is now potentially a, a legitimate contender in the AFC. And so then when you talk about big moves from this offseason, it has to be Aaron Rodgers. And what what about the pressure in New York? Because obviously you've just outlined this was a team that didn't score a touchdown in the final three games down the stretch. They had a, a very impressive record uh, before losing, what, seven of their last eight football games was what it ended up being. Like they, they fell apart down the stretch with lack of good quarterback play and now you're making an aggressive move and, and trading assets for an older quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. If it doesn't come together, I think that's another piece of why this is such a big move. Yeah. Because the Jets are now in this critical intersection as a football team where Joe Douglas had a ton of success with the 2022 NFL draft. But if you look at some of his early picks from the previous seasons that he's been the GM, it hasn't it had not manifested up until 2022 with consistency with the early picks. Now, it feels like the corner's been turned, but what happens if the Jets underachieve with the magnitude of this decision that they've made and how that could potentially shake up New York? I think that's kind of the the underlying story to go along with the fact that, yes, you obviously now have the Jets as a legitimate AFC East contender and potentially winning that division. And if that happens and you get home playoff games, like who knows what's going to happen from there? Yeah, absolutely huge. And and Kyle, I think one of the interesting moves that happened as a result of Aaron Rodgers going to the AFC East was the Dolphins, right? They added a huge piece to their coaching staff with Vic Fangio taking over a really talented defense that's going to make the AFC East more competitive. Yeah, I think the Dolphins last year uh, were really held back by their defense and they had some defensive injuries, but just the trends across the league and and how the game is played, uh, the Dolphins really flew in the face of that. And you see all of these branches off of the Vic Fangio coaching tree that are taking defensive coordinator roles for the idea of presenting vanilla defense and forcing quarterbacks to do all of their work after the snap and uh, that was the antithesis of what the Dolphins were defensively with Brian Flores and Josh Boyer this past year as the defensive coordinator. So I think it's a big ideological shift. I think it's going to put some of their aging corners, Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, when he comes back from injury in position to uh, continue to stand out, potentially be in better position to have success. Uh, they brought in Bradley Chubb last year at the trade deadline to go with Jalen Phillips. So you have like a really good organic pass rush duo. So you don't have to blitz, which the Dolphins did at a high, as high of a rate as anybody last year. So it's going to be a very different style that uh, when you have the mastermind and the puppet master behind it, it certainly helps give you confidence that it's going to take and it's going to assimilate rather quickly. I don't think you could say the same for Sean Payton in Denver, but when you think about like big league wide moves traded a first round pick for the rights to a head coach doesn't happen often. So uh, Sean Payton, as far as other monumental moves feels like a big one for me a year after Denver went all in for Russell Wilson, what they put in that trade package. It was a disaster with Nathaniel Hackett. How quickly can Sean Payton manifest that turnaround? I I think that's another 
when you talk about the big chapters of the offseason for for teams across the league, that has to be on that list as well. Now, and how about the Carolina Panthers trading up to number one overall for their franchise quarterback, trying to replace Cam Newton. They have sat out the last few drafts when it comes to picking quarterbacks. They said, no longer. We're going all the way up to number one. We're going to trade future first-round picks. DJ Moore, get out of here. We want Bryce Young. It'll be very interesting to see how that all comes together. That's it for our conversation on the biggest off-season moves within the division. This is just one of seven episodes for the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. You can head to Locked On NFL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts from for other conversations, including, including who finishes last in each division, which QB is best, and what's a national misconception about your team that isn't true. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to your favorite local Locked On shows for the best insight on your team every day.